Hi everyone, welcome to Chrislamic Talks. Are you interested in Christianity or Islam? If so, you're on the right channel. My show will cover in-depth topics using opinions, scholars, arguments, and, more importantly, the books to get a full idea of both religions. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the show. You know, I actually recently got to teach on this lesson today that I'm going to go over for this episode, but I got to teach it at a church recently, and it actually seemed to have a a fairly positive reaction to it. And that's always what I'm looking for. You know, I'm always looking for positive reactions, the sermons, negative reactions. It, it depends on the negative, but you don't want them booing at you. You don't want them sleeping on you. You don't want them uh, saying that they're bored. You know, you want people to give a positive response to whatever you send out. And today's episode will be covering First Peter 2, uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And if you're familiar with 1 Peter 2 and 3, you'll know that it talks about submission. So, yes, this episode will be on submission. But I hope that you learn something different from what you're normally taught on that word submission. And as in chapter 3, when you read women and submission together, I, I do hope that you will learn something new than that women are to just submit to men. Okay, so we're going to skip some of this chapter, and we're going to go to First uh, Peter 2 and 4. I'm going to use the new KJV. It says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will be, will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a, stum- and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, Peter and Paul both used similar wording, uh, and here, rock of offense, uh, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So, Peter's audience typically is seen as Jews. Personally, I believe that it's a mixture between Jews and Gentiles uh, because of his wording on certain things. But here we have it that those stumble, uh, they're being disobedient to the word which is which they are also appointed to. Like when uh, Paul states that at at one uh, at one time God winked at their ignorance, but now commanded uh, commands all men everywhere to repent. So to me that's kind of uh, Peter saying that that they are, you know, they are told the word, but they are disobedient to it. They stumble, uh, to which this word was also pointed. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, 
who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So to me, that's like, you know, the the Greeks. Well, you you will think that that's the Greeks, you know, and to me, that's that's to a certain extent it is. But in order to actually get the full mercy of God, you have to go through Christ. So you have to really Jew or Gentile. You are you both basically become one in Christ and there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor bond or free. But we are all made to drink of the uh, of the one spirit of Christ. We are of the one body. You know, we are uh the same spirit, same body. So uh, we'll cross down to First uh, Peter two thirteen. It says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the to the king as supreme, or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. <clears throat> As uh. So here we have, uh, you know, submit yourselves to every ordinance of the man for the Lord's sake. So submit yourselves to the king or governors or whoever is sent. Uh, dropping down to 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. And I also like what he says when he says, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. I think about that. Basically, more than likely, you know, if 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 you messed up, you will, you know, you'll you'll you know, okay, yeah, I did mess up. I'm sorry. I'll take the punishment. But when you get the punishment, even though you did not mess up and you're doing good and you're still suffering, God's like, okay, I'm I'm looking at that, you know. And there's a, there's a verse, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will, I will repay. So God will repay if you suffer and and you did not do anything wrong. He will repay that. I do believe that. It says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was the seat found in his mouth. So think about that. You know, he suffered in our place. So we didn't suffer for our sins. He did. So if he suffered for us, left us, leaving us his example, then we should follow after him. And if we have to suffer, you know, for things that we didn't do like he did, then so be it. But. So here we have, you know, submission to masters. We already have submission to government, so now we have submission to masters. Now we flip over to chapter 3, and we have submission to husbands. Okay, so 1 Peter 3, 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now think about that. Likewise. So he's saying likewise as the slave submits to the master, as the worker submits to the manager, if you will, or to the boss, do the same thing wives with your husbands. 
And he specifically mentions that even if some do not obey the word. So he's saying basically that these women are married to non-believers. These women are married to non-Christians. And he's saying if you want to win them or if you hope to win them, if you love them and you hope to win them over to Christ and maybe they're harsh or something, uh, just be quiet. Submit here does not mean become a slave to your husband, but it means to just be quiet. It means to just, you know what, okay, fine, I'm going to be agreeable, I'm going to be peaceful, I'm going to be quiet. And by doing that, they'll start to observe, you know, you're religious, and but you're not fighting them. You're not attacking them you're, with your religion. And so Peter's hoping that that God will use that with your with your non-Christian husband so that he will turn and say, you know what, what is it about you? Why are you different? Skipping down to verse 7, it says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now think about that. It says, Husbands, likewise. So it's saying, as the woman has to, you know, likewise as the as the slave or as the worker, husbands, likewise as the woman. So his thing is more or less... Dwell with them with the understanding that they have to, you know, they're, that they're being quiet, that they're doing this and that. And also give honor to them because they are, it says, as the, to the weaker vessel. And that they are being heirs and that you are both heirs together of the grace of life. So, number one, the weaker vessel. A lot of people like to think, oh, well, that means physical. It doesn't actually mean physical. If you If you start reading into it, it's socially. Women back then did not have many social advantages. They did not have many uh, – they, they, in fact, a lot of Jewish women back then were forced to stay at home. They, they, they could not talk to rabbis. They were stupid. They, they, my mistake. They were considered stupid. I'm not actually calling them stupid, but uh, I should clarify that. I'm not calling women stupid. I'm not calling Jewish women stupid. I'm calling – I'm saying that back then they were seen as stupid. They were seen as uh, dependent, stupid. Uh, that they could not understand morality and things like that. So it was all a man's world. And I'm glad that we have gone away from that. But Peter also, he makes mention of that by saying, you are heirs together of the grace of life. So basically he's saying, hey, don't treat them because they're, you know, don't treat them lesser in the sense of uh, because, you know, they are socially disadvantaged and you have more advantages. He's saying, give them honor. As your wife, give them honor as because whenever you marry, you're supposed to become one. So he's saying, give them that honor, number one. And two, you are both together in life. You are both supposed to be doing this together. This is supposed to be your lives, not your life. It, it's it's together. So he's really saying togetherness. He's he's bringing out that theme of togetherness with the, with spouses. And I think that's a a huge difference between what a lot of Christians think that weaker vessel means and how they quote that to oppress women and to bring women down when in reality Peter's saying you're both equal you're you're both equal heirs of this life together so you know you're both supposed to be one you're supposed to both be in one so you you can't think of your wife as lesser and she can't think of you as greater it's supposed to be equal it's supposed to be you know you want equality you want feminism this is the bible this is what it states so as again feminism uh 
they're really equality, egalitarianism, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Wow. I mean, seriously, if, if you think that the Bible is here to oppress women, you have it all wrong. Uh, Peter is saying, don't oppress women. He's saying, you're both together in life. It's amazing how many times you have to keep repeating that sometimes to people in order for them to get it. Uh, going down, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, but on contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So you're called to bless, you're called to, if you will, submit, you're called to be agreeable, to be peaceful, to be reasonable. You're not called to compromise. But we also have a different understanding of compromise. People think that compromise, uh, when it comes to Christianity, means that you can't uh, compromise in certain aspects. I honestly believe that you can. I believe that there are certain aspects you can't compromise. Like, you can't compromise in the sense of deciding to reject Jesus. That's not a comp that's not compromising. That's just getting rid of your beliefs. And people, you know, let's compromise. Let you know. How about you don't uh, go to church? Well. Why can't you compromise and let them go to church, but you don't have to go along, you know? Or maybe you compromise and you don't have to go all the time, but maybe you come once, you know, or once a month or something. You know, that's compromising. And, of course, if you're in a relationship where compromising means totally two different things to both people, it's probably not a great relationship. That being said, I'm not here to give relationship uh, advice. I'm just saying that. According to First Peter two and three, uh, chapter two and three, submission is not exactly a evil thing. It's not a negative thing. It's actually, if you think about it, it's it can actually be more of a blessing to reach people, to let God use you to reach others, and it's one of the reasons I am so focused on. I'd say like marriages and, and relationships and things like that with, within Christianity is because we've done a terrible job at this. We've done a terrible job with marriage. We've done, we've done a terrible job with um, couples and just and all of that, dating, everything. We've done a terrible job. We, uh, we try to restrict people, give them tons of requirements, uh, and we need to be teaching them as disciples, not teaching them as, as little children who – uh, or, or my, well, I, I would actually uh, rephrase that as horny teenagers. We need to start treating them as disciples of, of Christ. And uh, because, and again, it's unfortunate that the churches take this and abuse this. They, they abuse it in so many different ways, whether it's, you know, adding on, uh, you know, restrictions upon women, if it's, Telling a wife that if she's in a abusive relationship to just submit to her husband, even though he's you know giving her a black eye, whatever it is, it's it's abused so constantly that it's time for the church to actually stop with it and stand up for women and to say, hey, you know, if th there there's a certain point to where you just you know, especially within Christianity, if your husband's abusive and uh and you've already done this submission and stuff like that, then I'd, I'd give Paul a chance whenever he talks about uh, the spouse being an unbeliever and, you know, they're not willing to, to stay. Uh, 
it doesn't mean that they're not willing to stay with you exactly. It also means, you know, if they're going to abuse you, then, I mean, that's, to me personally, that's, that's, that's a way to escape. Uh, that being said, submission, it's, it's, we, the world likes to use it as a dirty world, word. And Christ submitted. In fact, he was talking about, in one case, he talked about how the servant, the servant's greater. He's saying, if any of you want to be great, let him serve. You know, let him be a servant. So we understand that the role of submission in the kingdom of God is not exactly a negative, but it's more of a positive. It's calling to blessings. It's calling to not curse people. It's calling to to heal and restore and un and unify and to to heal over division and just and all of that. It's it's not there to divide. It's there to to try to connect. And we forget that so much within Christianity, with as Christians and as believers, we just we forget that. So I I, I hope that you at least learned something that you brought that you got something from this, that you take something from this lesson about submission and uh, whether it's, you know, that women are not exactly weaker vessels, but they are uh, weaker socially at times, that husbands are supposed to see their wives as equal, that they are heirs together in the grace of life, whether you understand that submission is not as like a negative, it can be also a positive. It depends on the context of which it's used. Whatever you gain from it, let it be a lesson on how easy it is for people to twist the Bible and to get people to believe under their authority and rule and uh, their leadership, and how easy it is, if you will, to even manipulate people using religion.